thanks again for joining the FreightWaves Sales and Marketing Summit today on FreightWaves TV. I'm Charlie DeHoney, currently serving as president of Fitzmark Great Plains, a freight brokerage company based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm here today with one of my absolute favorite freight tech people that I've ever known in my entire life, John Rapp. Uh, this is an honor for me and a privilege to be able to talk to John about the evolution of his career. Uh, John and I crossed paths in a, in a former business I was involved with. Um, and I was able to identify at a very uh, young age that John was somebody who was going to be on the fast track. And so uh, super proud to be able to say that I work with John. And this is my Lion King moment where we're, uh, this is the circle of life right here. So I've been watching this all day in preparation, John. Um, really excited to be talking today from the time we met on the phone. It was super clear that we were both passionate and enthusiastic about logistics and sales and technology and then watching your evolution over the last few years in your career has just been mind-blowing to go from somebody who um, at one point I was mentoring and now somebody that I look up to as, as an absolute mentor of my own so uh, John Rapp uh, thank you for being here today uh, please introduce yourself to the group yeah that you're being too kind also like I'm definitely not mentor status um, so I'm uh, John Rapp I work for a company called Airspace Technologies that is headquartered in Carlsbad California we're a time critical uh, transportation group. We focus in the next flight out and express courier service. We move things like aircraft parts, human organs, um, a lot of COVID tests right now, as well as a bunch of blood and tissue samples for research throughout the, the greater US and now the world. We are global as of this year, so. That's awesome, John. Um, as a native uh, Tennessean, uh, tell the folks kind of how you ended up in logistics and supply chain um, and kind of walk us through uh, what you've done leading up to your current role as vice president of sales at Airspace. Yeah, so I was fortunate. I crossed paths with a logistics sales rep for Access America when I was working in a retail store. And he told me that my skills should be in logistics. So he asked me for my resume. I gave him my resume. A shout out to John Lawrence if he's watching. Um, now the uh, director of sales elsewhere, but um, that's how I got connected. So interviewed at Access America, went into the brokerage, trailed a grave world, was with them for a year or so before they got acquired by Coyote, um, got my book of business wiped out and restarted again. So second iteration of <laughs> logistics brokerage world. Um, then when we launched an operations team in Chattanooga, I saw that as a career path interviewed, was uh, selected to be operations manager, then eventually senior operations manager. Coyote got acquired by UPS. At that point, it uh, for a lot of us, it was a little bit of a writing on the wall, just career progression within that large organization was going to be difficult. So uh, went off to the side to try to start another brokerage company with um, Craig Fuller, actually, pre-freight waves. And then um, after about 10 or so months, my wife and I decided to go traveling. We came back somehow got connected to Charlie through a great recruiter. And then um, Charlie called me, interviewed me in person the next day because I was in California and brought me to Airspace where he really helped me set up a career from sales rep, director of sales, and now vice president. Um, like this is so gratifying just to be able to like reflect back because we don't do that enough in our industry because we're all in the weeds and like drinking from the fire hose constantly. But I think uh, that journey that you just described in terms of like from the time we met till the time you got the offer, um, that took some time. And yeah. if you remember back, like originally you saw yourself as an operator oh, and, I remember. <laughs> and, and we originally brought you in for the director of operations role. Uh, you made it to the final round of interviews and we ended up going with a different 
candidate who I, I also think didn't work out. I can't even remember. But yeah. um, but the reality is, it, <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, is is we stayed in touch, and uh, it was clear to me that you were going to find your way in logistics technology, and that you really wanted to 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 migrate over to the tech side of the business, and you had the right brain and the right mindset. Um, and if I remember correctly, you interviewed with everybody under the sun um, for operator roles. And ultimately, you called me back and you said, hey, I think I'm going to take a sales role with a company that we won't bring up. And I decided, you know what, man, if you're going to go do sales for them, you need to come do sales for us. And like, what was that transition like in your mind from I'm an operator, I'm going to be a COO someday, which we all believe that you were capable of doing. uh, But in that business at that time, uh, that wasn't the right fit. But we had so many other open doors for you, but you had some discipline behind you and you were really, really focused on finding the right role. So walk me through what that progression was like mentally to go from a career path of an operator to the revenue side of the business. Yeah, that's a really good Brought question. to you by Yeti today. Yeah, that's right. Brought to you by Yeti. Um, I think that it came down to what the eventual path would lead to, right? So looking at the career path of operations and the career path of sales and operations most frequently is going to tap out around the COO point. And I think that at the core of it, there's some form or function of entrepreneurial spirit where like, I think I would like to run a company at some point. And I think that that path made more sense through the sales experience and applying that for a long period of time, um, learning the customer, learning how to build a team, um, building teams then building a company, learning the product fit, all of that comes more so from the sales engine of a company than the operation side. And I think that uh, functionally became the big split for me in looking at a career path and like long-term and short-term. That's awesome. And I think it's, it's encouraging for a lot of the people that are out there right now that are probably sitting in an operator desk, but maybe enjoy talking to the customer and Look, I mean, th- these forums are about developing and getting better and, and expanding uh, your your vision. And I think that's one thing that was very clear from the get-go, uh, even as a very young person. It was clear that you had a vision for where you felt like you could contribute as well as where you thought the industry was going to go. And so kind of moving forward as, as you joined and you started as a salesperson, what were some of your like first concerns and, and what were some of the like mental roadblocks that you kind of had to get over as a contributor uh, to really unlock that performance that you've been able to generate? It's a good question. I think the pride, I'm going to hammer on this as much as I can, because I feel like sales reps, we get in our own way most of the time. Because, <laughs> I think like, most people do. <laughs> what was that? I think most people do. Yeah. So it's like, you just, you, you expect to be a high performer. You position yourself when you're interviewing as a high performer, everything is about what you can do. And for me, especially coming over to airspace from a truckload world to like an envelope size item, it's not the same. So just the immediate hurdle is just you have to ask for help all the time, which is just not very uh, validating or like self-gratifying because you're just saying like, I don't know, can you help? I don't know all the time. But knowing that you have this skill or at least the drive to apply the knowledge you're given to the eventual customer in X many of days, X many of months, I think was the immediate and probably the biggest hurdle most sales rep that I've encountered run into is just getting the help and the foundation when they first get there. And then then you let them run, right? Now you've equipped them and they're able to go. But if you don't equip them first, 
they're going to spin for a while. Um, so I would say like that was pretty much it. And then having leaders that want to invest, pull you aside, listen to your calls, listen to like are on your calls with you are able to give you, you know, fine tuning points. That also is, I think, key to my development. So like having, and this is not by any means just you, but every leader that I've worked under has given me feedback and enabled me to grow versus letting just letting me run and not being a part of it. And I think there's a couple of themes in there that, you know, just to, to kind of highlight that I think are worth noting is number one, you know, getting into sales and evolving into sales. Uh, it teaches you how to listen, right? You got to listen to the voice of the customer. You've got to be humble enough to stop talking, start listening. And sometimes, you know, whether it's the customer or leadership, you're going to need to hear things that you don't want to hear. And I think that that core tenet, the connection between listening and humility cascades into all areas of life as a husband, as a father, as a community leader, certainly as an entrepreneur. And you, you continue to go out and uh, people aren't sometimes picking up what you're putting down and you need to really just be able to self-reflect, think about what those folks said, take the takeaways that you can get out of those and remain humble without beating yourself up to the point where you want to quit or give up. And so I think that's the delicate balance. And I think that quiet confidence that you had coming in as an athlete and really just like as a student of the game really helped you evolve quickly and separate yourself as a top performer in the organization, which is, you know, no question why you're running the sales force right now. And so I think one of the things that we should uh, probably really dive into now is like you came in we gave you your first sales job uh, quickly within 12 or 18 months, you were looking after one of our core verticals that was critical for our success. And we trusted you to go out in the world and turn a bunch of doorknobs and find a bunch of opportunities that we knew you were uniquely suited to address. But what I love about your, your background, John, and, and your evolution is that you didn't stop there, right? You didn't say, Hey, I'm a, a recovering broker that's now selling into the 3PL space. Uh, you took from that what you could and you continue to grow and scale yourself so that you can then be additive to the rest of the organization. So um, I know you're an avid reader and I know that like uh, you never sit still, which is, is part of the reason why you're able to just churn through a lot of things. But maybe um, aside from the obvious, you know, read a lot of books and do a lot of stuff you know, walk people through, how do you evolve? Like, how do you scale yourself from an individual contributor to then thinking more strategically and being more generous and giving with yourself to others and acting as a servant in your new leadership role? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, I think that the, I'll start with the involvement point, which is kind of something that I, I care a lot about is the collaboration between the team outside of the leaders, right? And there's like, I think that that's where the involvement starts. I think that's where mine started before I led the sales team. I, I spent a lot of time trying to learn from them because the, most of them had been there longer than I did. So I, I positioned myself and they let me learn from you point. And then as the team grows, you naturally get built up if you're at a point where you're also saying, hey, like, let me help you. So I think that for my team right now, I have too many direct reports, it's a lot, but they're all right now starting to take a lot of my role and make it their own. So a few people have stepped up and there, I'll hop off our calls early and just name someone and then they will take a theme and they're just evolving to your to use your word into a leader, 
without the power, without the, there's no promotion, there's no anything. It's just kind of gravitating towards it and seeing, I think it also comes with seeing where improvement can be made, not asking anything for it, but actually addressing it. And then people see that like you, when you have a problem and it goes away, you immediately know who took it off your plate. Right. So I think that that's the, the simplest thing. And I would encourage people to do is just, there's always something broken and it can be big or small, but if you just take it, own it, and then change it, it will be noticed. And it, that, and that's a point also for you to choose, right? Like, do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy being the person that owns the pro the project that owns the performance of the team or the rollout of something? It's a good way to test the waters to see if, if your path is and, you know, a VP level contributor or a VP level team leader. And, uh, Almost all the time that's available on the outside and it's just gravitating towards it. <clears throat> yeah, I think I could go on for hours about some of the things that you just said because um, I think the the real kind of key takeaways there is that um, as a leader, you've got to leave room for others to like also evolve and continue to grow and develop. And if you're there and, and all you're doing is all the work and you're just a glorified sales rep, ultimately you're blacking out the sun from those underneath you. And they don't have the nutrients that they need to continue to grow, you know. And I think um, of all of the growth that you guys have seen at Airspace and all of the um, development inside the organization and going from a, a domestic company to a global company and uh, really scaling yourselves, you know, it's clear that there's like a culture of growth inside the organization. And certainly from my days there, um, that was one of the key things that we wanted to really just um, – develop and nurture and, and allow to flourish. And I think the leadership team and certainly the board have done a fantastic job of complementing, you know, the folks that are already on the team uh, with new vo voices and new vision. But I think it's equally as encouraging to see somebody like yourself really like go through every single level of the organization. And then when you, when you arrive, you know, at your, at your destination where you are now, you still have the humility to sit and listen. So, you know, what are some of the things that you learned as a leader um, from the people that, you know, technically report to you, but are candidly probably 10 times better than you at certain things? What are the areas that you decide that, hey, that's not my jam. My people are way better at that than me, and I can help them in this. Because I think the, the decision between uh, strategic and tactical is something that, that a lot of leaders struggle with. So how are you balancing that? Yeah, I... That's a good question. I think that I don't have it really well balanced right now. Um, but some of the things that I think I've, and even this is within the past couple of weeks have presented themselves is when a team member brings, this would be an iteration over a year ago. So uh, when a team member brings an idea, and this is a bad management tactic that I had intuited, I would bring it up as an idea. But what I've learned with having too much on my plate, which is like, encouraging some good leadership approaches is just get on the call have them there and then pass the buck and get off the call so like i know that you know this better than i do i know that you discovered this thing teach other people don't like i don't need to know that to your point it's tactical it's out it's outreach it's salesforce it's an email campaign it's a conversation you had with a customer and how they responded let them share that because that will to your point that enables the team to put them into a position of leadership for them to take on the responsibility versus taking the idea and running with it as your own. So you can stake a, a flag in something else and say, look what I did. I think that's probably the, 
the easiest one is is the moment you see it don't even think about it if you didn't know it have that person own it just just leave it right there um that's that's been one of my biggest things i think well that's awesome and i mean it's it just shows sincere growth because a lot of times in contributor roles you're looking to your left you're looking to your right and you're measuring yourself against your peers and you know it's tempting right when you see an innovation you see an advancement you want to like steal or borrow and then you know if you get the opportunity maybe to claim it as your own like you know that's a natural I think instinct for a lot of people, but I think one of the things that I was brought to mind as you were just speaking was, you know, as a leader, like you're oftentimes a connector, right? It's, Hey, Hey, this person is born to do this and you're struggling. So you two get after it and I don't need to be in the room. Right. But, um, it's a delicate balance because as a contributor, you know, you, you want credit for everything. Right. And you, you want to build your brand and you want to grow and you want to separate yourself and everything else. And then as a leader, you really just got to like quell that and say like, look, that's not my, that's not my role anymore. My role is to lift the entire organization. And I think that takes a certain discipline. It certainly takes humility. And I think along with that humility, it takes like an internal confidence, right? Where you're like, I know what I am and I know what I'm good at. And I'm going to be excellent at other areas that other people aren't excellent at. And there's probably going to be some things that nobody else wants to do that I'm willing to do that will kind of help me continue to, you know, grow and develop my overall group. But I think, you know, as much as you're a connector as a leader, you also have to be a filter, right? Because you can't just let your team proliferate all of their ideas because some of them suck, right? And so I think I think you need to be very, very candid. And uh, one of the things that you and I used to connect with a lot, and it, the, it, part of what I really miss about working with you, is like the idea sharing and the and the knowledge transfer. And hey, have you read this book yet? And, and we used to do all of our one on ones walking because it would get our minds going. And oftentimes we'd end up like pulling up books on our phone and sharing excerpts of that. Um, and it just brought to my mind like the book Radical Candor that you and I really connected on. And I think candor is like one of those things as a leader, you just have to put it out there. So uh, with a couple minutes left here, why don't you talk about like what that feels like the first time you have to tell somebody something that they do not want to hear, but you desperately know they need to hear. Yeah, I think that uh, we'll keep it snap because we do have a couple minutes. The main thing I would say is you have to build up a repository of positives. So like you need to have built up this person beforehand and it's like the three to one or the five to one positive to negative ratio, that concept where like you can't, the first month I have a rep, I'm probably not going to hit them negatively with anything because I need to build trust with them. I need to build their confidence with me. And I'm in the whole time that I have that, I'm going to be like, hey, when you do something that's X, I'm going to respond like Y. I just want you to know that so that when it comes up, they already knew it. They knew I was going to bring it up to them directly. And then we were going to move forward. So I think setting the expectation while building them up enables you to, when it happens, hop in, hit the nail on the head and move forward. Um, I think it's incredibly important to communicate that style before you do it though. So it's not a surprise when it happens. John, it's been such a pleasure, man, just watching your evolution, you know, as a young salesperson now into a, a VP of one of the hottest companies in logistics tech. I couldn't be more proud to be part of your story, man. I sincerely appreciate you taking some time to share this. I think there's going to be thousands of young people out there um, across the, the country and the world that could benefit from this. So thank you so much, John, and keep grinding, okay? Absolutely. Thanks for having me.